Welcome to Expanding Your Faith, a podcast hosted by Bishop Greer Godsey, the Old Catholic Church's International. Expanding Your Faith brings together a panel of well-educated clergy and laity to discuss modern events with a biblical perspective. Our podcast is about to start. Please stay tuned. Welcome to this edition of Expanding Your Faith. I'm Bishop Greer, and joining me tonight is Reverend Mark. Greetings, everyone. And Father Matt. Hello, everyone. And tonight we will be talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and some of the other clobber verses used against the LGBTQIA community. Uh, In keeping with our pride theme for the month of June, and uh, we have our studio audience available on TikTok and YouNow. Hopefully, uh, we'll continue to have them available uh, as long as people behave. And tonight's uh, sponsor is Morton's Table Salt. And Morton's Table Salt. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Very fitting for this story. Yes. <laughs> Very fitting for this story. Oh, the jokes prior to such a deep topic. Yes, the jokes just start to come. So we're going to start off. um, So the story of Sodom and Gomorrah is one that's used a lot against the LGBTQIA community. A lot. A lot. And it is vastly taken out of context. It is vastly abused. And so we're going to try to cut through some of that tonight um, with our... um, podcast and try to give you um, some information that hopefully will help you in uh, uh, as you battle the forces of evil who wish to uh, attack those of you that are LGBTQIA. Um And, of course, the hate has already begun on um, TikTok. So let me just real quick click this button. There we go. I think also it helps us personally for those of us that grew up in church needing to know, hey, where do we land on certain? So it brings peace even within those in our own minds because your battle always starts in your mind first and then track our personal evolution and then all the love from the outside steps in to (laughs) to take on so i think this will be a huge help just all around absolutely so we're going to start uh with genesis chapter 19 verse 1 i'm going to kind of read through this story and then we'll we'll discuss it in in more detail afterwards uh you can always follow along with your Bible of choice, uh, prefer not the King James Version because it's terribly mistranslated. But uh, we're using the New Revised Standard Version, the Catholic Edition, uh, tonight uh, for our uh, podcast. Uh, thanks to um, the uh, conglomerate that put it together. 
I thought the King James was the one Jesus used. Yeah, right. Wait a minute. I missed that part. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Genesis chapter 19, verse 1. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. He said, Please, my lords, turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you can rise early and go on your way. They said, No, we will, not, we will spend the night in the square. But he urged them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they laid down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man, surrounded the house, and they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we may know them. Lot went out to the door of the door to the men, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Look, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Let me bring them out to you, and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they replied, Stand back! And they said, this fellow came here as an alien, and he would play the judge? Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near the door to break it down. But the men inside reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the door of the house, both small and great, so that they were unable to find the door. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here, sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of this place, for we are about to destroy this place. Because the outcry against his people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his son-in-laws, who were to marry his daughters, Up! Get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-laws to be jesting. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Get up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or else you will be consumed in the punishment of this city. But he lingered, so the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand. The Lord, being merciful to him, and they brought him out and left him outside the city. When they had brought him outside, they said, Flee for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the hills or else you will be consumed. <coughs> and Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, your servant has found favor with you, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot flee to the hills for fear the disaster will overtake me and I will die. Look, that city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Very well, I grant you this favor too, and will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. 
Therefore the city was called Zor. And the sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zor. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of the heavens. And he overthrew those cities and all the plains and all the inhabitants of the city, and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Now this is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, right out of Genesis. I left nothing out. So, let's begin our discussion there. Well, I think the one of the to help understand what's going on, you have to back up and see some things that are going on with Abraham in chapter 18. And these journey people show up, these angels show up of the Lord. They communicate with Abraham, and um, you know one of the things that they talk about is we see Abraham receive them extend wonderful hospitality, care for them, take care of them. And then there's a couple of passages or a couple of things that are said, one of which is the cries of injustice and the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah are very great. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting that those phrases, those things that are said multiple times um, are often skipped over and there's only one hyper focus on the passage of scripture there's a lot going on in this passage of scripture other even beyond just the mob showing up and i mean there's just so much to tackle within this and you know if one of my pet peeves about people picking across scripture if I went with you, that's a, I don't believe this, but if I went with the, the different people that translate it as it's talking about homosexual sexuality, you also have skipped over the injustices. You've also skipped over the other things. So if you're going to embrace that it's, own, that it's about this one thing in your head, homosexuality, you also have to have the equal amount of righteous indignation about all the other stuff as well. That's right. And so, but they don't. They only hyper-focus on what makes them feel well. And um, our historian over there will probably <laughs> throw out some stuff, but you find that there's kind of an evolution uh, historically at the translations of this passage of scripture as you go on. But those are some of my first thoughts. I know we'll dive into a whole bunch of other things, but those are some of the first things. I, I don't believe that this passage of scripture is referring to homosexuality. But if I did, I would also have to embrace the fact that we are equally called to tackle injustices, feeding people, taking care of the homeless, embracing the stranger so on so forth that uh, is talked about here well i actually teach this um in in our seminary classes um and the the looking at scripture and sodom and gomorrah is one of the big passages we tackle 
um, on the Genesis unit in Old Testament survey in my classes. And the first thing that I teach to my students is look at the tone. What was the tone of the writer of this section? Right. And the tone remains the same throughout the whole thing. It's a tone of warning. This is what can happen to you if you if these injustices are permitted to occur. Right. So it's a moralistic story that's being told and handed down to a people that are wandering and are a desert culture. Um, because during the time that Genesis, that the Pentateuch was composed was the time and actually written down and handed on to pass on to people it was a culture of wandering and a, they were a nomadic people they were hunter hunt, they were hunting and living off of what they could find and <coughs> making a name for themselves so if they weren't hospitable to other people that were coming in and seeking shelter, then those people could very often be wandering away from goods, food, services, whatever, and die. die. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or find you know wild animals that could maul them. Any any number of things can happen. That's right. Um, so the fact that. God is having to hear the cries of people being turned away from a city should ring true to people's ears that, hey, we need to listen to this and, and take heed um, to what's to come later. That's right. Even Josephus, the Jewish historian, when you read his passage, his commentary on um, Sodom and Gomorrah, you find that he at that time doesn't he lists the proud mm -hmm. he lists that they're caught up in their riches he lists the fact that their pride revolves into their riches he talks about how they were turning away the stranger how they had no respect towards God's uh, creed versus of embracing the wanderer the stranger like you said it if you don't they mo most often died and here they had great wealth to help so many and yet they were helping no one but themselves and even josephus time he called it the sodomitical practice mm -hmm. of um turning away and pushing people away not embracing that hospitality and uh, there's no mention in his commentary of the homos, no, <laughs> of the homosexuality. Right. And so going back and looking at it as an anal analyzation of the tone, what's the main tone that you hear in Lot's voice? It's desperation. Let's get these people to safety. I'm desperately needing you to listen to me so that you can be safe. <coughs> yeah. um, Immediately he falls to the ground. Lords, lords, I thank you for coming. Thank you for being here and honoring me with your presence. Come to my house. Right. Nobody Come. can see you. <laughs> yeah, don't let anyone see you or else you won't be treated right. Right. And the angels are like, no, let's go out into the public square and have this giant feast so everybody can see that we're here. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll go to your house. Yeah. 
so. Well, and um, uh, Father David uh, Jacoby says hospitality was a huge deal in society back in those days. To not be hospitable was a serious crime, and that's very true. And in fact, um, uh, Ezekiel speaks about this. In Ezekiel 16, Ezekiel 16:49 says, "This was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride." excess of food and prosperous ease but they did not aid the poor and needy they were haughty and did abominable things before me therefore I removed them when I saw it and so you know Ezekiel is pointing us to the fact that you know it was not homosexuality had nothing to do with sexuality at all but rather it was their pride and their abuse of others the fact that they were haughty and did these abominable things like throwing people out of the city or abusing them so they would leave the city and they would go off into the wilderness only to be killed mistreated um, you know found by you know roving bands of pirates or you know whatever and um, so this was a huge deal uh, for God that they be treated people be treated with respect and kindness and hospitality and have their meet their needs met in a just society and because uh, Sodom and Gomorrah was not being that just society God chose to destroy them yeah and a lot of people like to latch on to that word. Most people skip over Ezekiel because it starts shooting holes in their, in their yeah. argument. But a lot of them will latch on to that word abomination and start knocking and say, oh, well, you know, the, the, the homosexuality was the abomination. Well, dissect what's going on in this passage of Scripture before we dissect what an abomination is. So you... You see these two people show up. Lot brings them into the house. The mob shows up. And immediately, you know, he goes out, implores them. You know, they're our guests. We need to be hospitable. And they're, no, bring them to us. And so Lot goes and offers a group of gay men his daughters. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I'm gay, and if I was, you know, I've been approached by people to of the opposite sex, of to to date or whatever, and I there there would be no attraction at all for me. So that's the first thing that I'm going. Hold on, if if they're if they're homosexual only. Why would Lot think that two daughters will set aside that there were his daughters for a second? Because that's mind-blowing in and of itself. If it's just his two daughters, how does he think that that's going to satisfy these men? Why didn't he go get his sons-in-laws out and say, Hey, I need y'all for a second. Something only y'all can do. Yeah. And then... um, if it was really about that, right? Correct. Yeah. And the other thing is, are you telling me that every 
guy in Sodom and Gomorrah is gay. So, you know, that, that portion has always made me chuckle. And then the fact that God is saving Lot and the angels can't do anything to the city, you know, if the sexual part and all that was so, you know, if that's what it's all about and it's so immoral. And Lot should have been killed too. Lot should have died because he just offered his two virgin daughters to all of these people which when you go ahead and read forward, I think it's over in the book of Judges, where they raped a woman, a gang rape come in, similar to what is about to happen here, and killed the woman. So the possibility that the girls wouldn't survive, and Lot is saying is being saved, and then, oh, by the way, uh, just a few verses after chapter 19, his daughters seduce him and have sex with him. But... We don't talk about that. Ah. <laughs> so those are other points that I, I always pause and think about is it, obviously we're not talking about homosexuality or the sexual perversion portion of this as far as the main thing. You know, the main thing is and in the practices of those days and what was going on in Sodom, you had these strangers coming in. They weren't welcomed. They weren't allowed to be hosp uh, hospitality extended to them. And one form of people showing that, a group of people showing that, was to exert their dominance by physically piercing that person um, in a sexual manner and saying that we're the dominant we're we are you know it, whether you want to just look at it them making a dominant statement or just utterly degrading the person this was a practice that was happening at the time and it just goes hand in hand with the quote-unquote spirit of the city of rejecting the stranger not embracing the wanderer and so forth and you can almost hear lots tone as he's offering the daughters it's not like a here take my daughters sort of thing it's like a can't you see how stupid you sound right now sort of thing like you know if that's really what you want here take my daughters why are you wanting to do these this to strangers here's my daughters whom you know because we live here sort right. of thing right versus people that you don't even know that have come in correct and Isaiah goes even further in explaining Sodom and Gomorrah. In Isaiah 1, starting in verse 10, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the teachings of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who asks this from your hand? Trample my courts no more. Bring, bringing offerings is futile. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, your soul, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. 
When you stretch out your hands, I will not hide my face from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your face, your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do what is evil. Learn to do what is good. Seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Come now and let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be made to be like wool. That's what he's talking about. Sodom and Gomorrah there and how Sodom and Gomorrah essentially didn't care for the needs of the poor, the widow, and the orphan and because of that um, God destroyed them you know never once in there did Isaiah mention homosexuality right, or sex of any kind right you know and Isaiah came many years before Ezekiel I mean, even to the point where, yeah, you're doing all the right things. You're sacrificing. Um, you're trying to atone for yourselves. You're doing every. You're honoring the Sabbath, but you're not. They're futile because you refuse to change your ways. Right. That's right. Yeah. Even in a time where they were attempting to practice, and I would argue that we're seeing a lot of that nowadays, where the least of among us are the ones that are forgotten because we have developed this mindset that unless someone can elevate us or someone can be a part of something that's a stepping stone type of a situation we have no you know we don't give regard for those people and I've seen it over and over and over again in the church where you have ministers that are looking to you know, their focus is to make sure all their books are bestsellers, make sure that their names are all right, their haircuts look just perfect, so on and so forth. And you're not going to see them out feeding and clothing the naked and helping the people and spending that one-on-one time with a stranger. And I think that we're in a place where that's a repeat just as much, you know. Uh, all these people that want to yell, scream, and holler about judgment... Uh, coming to the land uh, scripture's clear that the first place that God looks to judge the land is within the house uh, it was is within God's own people and where are we seeing the biggest decline right now yeah in, in those church. churches that the pastor is the one trying to sell their have the nas- national best-selling book and right all that we're seeing a lot of people starting to wake up and say yeah it there a lot of people are more comfortable in some of those smaller congregations that are out there actually doing things and it's been proven through many studies that people my generation and even younger are there embracing the fact that if we come to the church what are y'all doing outwardly mm-hmm. And so there's a cry for even people that don't know any better to make sure that we are outwardly focused, that we're giving the people that can't do anything to promote us to a higher level whatsoever, we're still giving them as much love and grace as the people that are there, you know, writing the big checks. And I wanted to piggyback on one thing, and then I'll hush. 
as far as com- <laughs> commentary goes, you know, talked about Josephus, even John Calvin wrote when it come to Sodom and Gomorrah that it was a sin of vexing the stranger, the orphan, and the widow. Again, there's no um, discussion in regards to what these men were about to do with the quote-unquote sexual portion of it. And again, you're talking about gang rape here, which is an obvious God doesn't condone that at all. nor, Nor none of us. But it's not the fact that God is and God is sitting there saying, or that we're sitting here saying that that you know that's fine. No, there's it. It has nothing to do with men on men. It's the attitude in which you're going towards these individuals. Okay. They could have easily just beat them. Even the angels telling the telling them, you really don't want to do this. Now's your chance to change your mind and do something else. And then, the ang- what do the angels do? They don't hurt them right away. They just blind them so that he can, they can get Lot and company out of, the city. out of the city and out of the situation. Another interesting aspect of this, and, and uh, someone mentioned this before I had to turn the comments off because of all the hate. Um, no. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> No such love, no no greater hate than Christian love. Uh, so, um, one of the things that uh, someone mentioned is the fact that you know Lot offered up his daughters, and everybody points to that as, oh look, it's a sign that they wanted to have sex. Lot offered up his daughters and saying, you know, here are women who've never been with a man, you can take them. Just because he was saying that to them doesn't mean that their intent, the men's intent, was to bring about some sort of sexual violence on the men in the house. Because it might have very well been like any situation. If you're in a situation where you're surrounded by a gang of people wanting to do you harm, you're going to do anything and everything you can to get out of that situation unscathed anything and Lot may very well have been just pulling his daughters into it to try to protect everyone else in the family and get everyone to safety including the strangers in his home it might have had absolutely nothing to do with sex whatsoever and it obviously didn't because the men rejected them right and continued trying to get into the house and so many, po- so many fundamentalist Christians point to one single word in that passage as their proof that it's about homosexuality. And that is when the men of the city say, we want to know these men. But there's three, defi- there's three translations for the Hebrew word and the Greek word for know. Well, many, I mean, even more than that. I mean, you have to go down a list of definitions for know before you finally get to anything but sexual. In this, but in this context... In this context, they could have very well just been saying, we want you to bring them out here so we can interrogate them. So that we can determine who they are. Which fits with the earlier thing that they said in the scripture, which was, who made this stranger, speaking of Lot, 
to be judge. Yep. See, they forget context matters in Scripture. The fellow came here as an alien, and he would play the judge. Now, we will deal worse with him than with them. In other words, it fits more accurately that they wanted to know these men in a way of, we want to interrogate them. We want to find out what their business is. We want to decide whether or not they should stay in our city, whether or not we should offer them hospitality or not, whether or not we're going to throw them out to the wolves. Because Lot is playing judge. Who is he to decide they're worthy of our hospitality? Right. And that is a mentality that we continue to see in churches every single day. And that is a that that's uh, uh, something that I see on TikTok every single day. Are Christians who say I am the judge about who is worthy of God's love. Yeah. I am the judge of who should be allowed in my church, and who's not allowed in my church. Yep. I am the judge of who's a valid preacher and who's not. I'm a judge of what God's word says despite the fact that I only spent five minutes on Google and have never touched a Bible prior. There are even probably pastors out there that say to women who have gone through domestic violence, well, it's your fault. So we oh, have no... Lot, we yeah. don't We don't get to play a role in helping you out of that situation. Yeah. Even though God tells us through stories like this to protect the, our most vulnerable. Yeah. What's that old song, Stand By Your Man? Oh, Lord. Yeah. Hopefully that's been retired. You know. Or burned. And, and the reality is that we continue to see that sodomite behavior to this day. And what is the true definition of a sodomite? Some The Bible says it clearly. Someone who is greedy. Someone who is haughty. Somebody who refuses to care for the poor, the widow, and the orphan. And someone who thinks they are the end-all, be-all judge of what God finds appropriate. Yeah. Isaiah made that clear. That is the true sodomite. And those are the people that are living and walking amongst us in many churches today. And politicians and everything else. Who live in that kind of mentality every single day has nothing to do with sexuality. For sure. Nothing to do with it. You, I don't know why I'm on the commentary kick here, but you don't even see it connected in a sexual sense until around 300 and something AD. Correct. And uh, I think Phileo throws some thoughts in there. And you don't see any of that. Um, matter of fact, you see this story replicated in other religions and mythologies, almost identical. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and they don't mention anything, neither, none of those. And I'm not basing my biblical interpretation. I'm just, it's kind of like a little throwaway. They don't base any of their uh, takeaways on sexual encounters either. And so, you know, whether you're looking at it as Bishop is presenting with the judgment of 
the crowd, that mentality as far as the word no, or if you're just looking at it from a standpoint of, uh, you know, a gang rape type of, that is a practice that was going on during that time period. Yep. And obviously that's not biblically sound <coughs> teaching or embracing of God's love. And so whether you're looking at either one of the attitude towards these individuals were of such a hostile nature and again, I go back to the context and the flow of the scriptures in chapter 18 of Genesis, where it's obvious that there's injustices going on in these cities and that you have uh, other things happening. And so if there's lawlessness and injustice going on, you know, why aren't we rising up with the same fervor that we're seeing people rise up against the LGBTQIA crowd and saying well wait a minute you know injustice shouldn't be tolerated either and we do injustices in churches all the time by rejecting people because they sit in our pews when it's our pew to sit in or they don't smell good when they walk in the door their children are too loud sitting in the pew I could go on and on and on Uh, you know we're looking at the person driving up in the Lexus or the Mercedes going oh we prefer them over the person who had to walk several blocks and are sweating because they wanted to come to church and we put them at the back or away from us and I mean there's all types of forms of adjustments and injustices excuse me and preferring somebody less than you would somebody else and so all this stuff's happening in the body of Christ today and I think to make people feel better about their lives, they want to find a scapegoat and say well, it's all those homosexuals over there and that's what's causing the problem. There are many catastrophes that happen in the Bible. There's many issues that pop up and there's not one queer person mentioned in that passage of scripture <laughs> anywhere within a hundred miles. That's right. And uh, matter of fact, some of God's most favored individuals did some crappy stuff. Our father of the faith is over there taking people off to the side going, okay, I'm going to have a kid through you because God said I'm supposed to. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he had to be beat over the head with that one. Yeah. Or one of our most beloved writers of the scripture was off killing people for uh, proclaiming themselves as a Christ follower, and yet he is now embraced as a saint and a writer of two-thirds of the New Testament and not one queer person was around there vexing him to do these things. That's and, right. And don't and don't forget our favorite king of the Old Testament had somebody had somebody's husband killed just because he thought he they looked good bathing in the moon. Yes. So. Yeah. Um, I want to touch uh, quickly while we've got a few minutes. Um, and since we're in the Old Testament, we're going to skip ahead to Leviticus uh, and talk about Leviticus. Um, 18.22 and 20.13 are the two verses that are most commonly used as battering rams against the LGBTQIA community. <laughs> and um, uh, I want to first give a little bit of context. Okay, Leviticus number one is the book of priestly law. Did you hear that? 
the book of priestly law. It's right there in the name, Leviticus, Levites. They were the priests in the temple of God. And so the book of Leviticus is mostly about temple ritual and ritual purification and the what's called the holiness code and the cleanliness code uh, within Leviticus. And it also governed mostly a Levitical priest life, not the everyday person. Everyday person. But putting that aside and taking everything out of context, Leviticus 18.22 says, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman is an abomination. Now, let's back up just a moment. Right there, Bishop. It says it right there. That's right. Let's back up for a moment, and let's read some of the context, starting in verse 19 of Leviticus 18. You shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness while she is in her menstrual uncleanliness. You shall not have sexual relations with your kinsman's wife and defile yourself with her. You shall not give any of your offspring to sacrifice them to Moloch, and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman is an abomination. You shall not have sexual relations with any animal or defile yourself with it, nor shall any woman give herself to an animal to have sexual relations with it is a perversion. Well, I hope people in Alabama heard that. Well, uh, I said what I said. You can't eat. So, uh, and then let's go to Leviticus 20:13 while we're at it, because we're gonna we're gonna lump them both together here. Um, and I'll read it out of context, and I'll read the context. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both have been of them have committed an abomination. They shall be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Now let's go back, and again reading context. Starting in verse 10. If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. I haven't seen that upheld in the church recently. The man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Oh. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood is upon them. Oh. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall be put to death. Their blood is upon them. If a man takes a wife and her mother also, it is depravity. They shall be burned to death, both he and they, that they may be no depravity among you. Oh, they shall be burned. If a man has sexual relations with an animal, he shall be put to death, and you shall kill the animal. If a woman approaches any animal and has sexual relations with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. They shall be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Starting to see a theme here. Well. So, I want to go back for just a minute. Leviticus 18.22 and 20.13 in uh, Martin Luther's Bible, which Thank I don't you. have in front of me. Uh, I don't think I have the Luther translation Nobody does because here. it's not in publishing anymore I don't think no I don't have the Luther Bible in front of me but the Luther Bible actually translates these verses correctly imagine that 
when he translated it into to German, and both verses say, man shall not lie with a boy not as with a woman, for it's an abomination. Is a scripture prohibiting pedophilia, not homosexuality? Your thoughts, Reverend Moore? I think context matters. Um, if you're going to embrace Levitical law and start throwing it out in order to control folks, in order to judge folks, half the pulpits in America would have to drop dead because of the adultery verse. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, um, uh, I said what I said. Those, those darn secretaries at church. Uh, so um, I have always, because I grew up around individuals that were, the Levitical law was important, observing the Jewish customs, observing the feast days, and I think it's important to understand all that and stuff, but they were locking themselves in, like the church at Galatia that Paul had to deal with, where they were wanting to embrace all of it. And Paul comes back and says, all right, if you're going to do it, you got to do it all. You know, you got to embrace it all. You know, the same people that will talk to me about cherry-picking verses and scriptures are the same people that will cherry-pick verses and scriptures and I look at them and I say, well, when's the last time have you been to a stoning? And I start listing off all the opportunities that we have to stone people based on the Levitical law. I mean, you just, I mean, we should have a pile of rocks if we're going to do that. We and should it, have a pile of rocks sitting at the altar in front of the communion table just so that we can start begging people while we're up there <laughs> preaching. And again, as Bishop <laughs> so adamantly pointed out the very first chapter says it all right this is a code of laws for the priestly class right this isn't the laws for everyday people yeah. to they, follow and for some denominations i won't mention which but for some denominations they should have left that pedophilia verse in there because those people really needed to read it amen amen mm. that'll preach i said what i said but <laughs> If you embrace that mentality that you are going to take Scripture and that from the Levitical law, and you're going to, I mean, there's a whole, that's a whole other discussion about priestly and the law and everything. But if you're going to take it, you have to take all of it. You cannot leave any of it out because if you do not observe all of the law and keep it blameless, then the Scripture also says that you are guilty of all of it. That's you right. cannot impress God or be redeemed by God if you do not keep all of it. And people say, oh, well, that's not possible. I Right? Hence why Jesus showed up. And so anyway, that was the message. Jesus came. Is we can't. Be <laughs> this is impossible. Correct. And so if, if you start cherry-picking those things, that's my mindset of it. Uh, I, I throw aside the interpretation. I appreciate the interpretation part. It's accurate. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that it was mistranslated. But I look at it from the standpoint of if, you ha if you're going to stand on that leg, then you must live on all of it. You and that's my thing, too. You and can't. I'm like, 
I'm also of the mindset that this was written in a codex for people, again, that are wandering the desert and are trying to build a nation. And because of how they made their garments and wove their garments, they rose within and they were able to trade with their neighbors and become an empire within 200 years. Yeah. Well, and, and so I... So it, it's a way for them to be prosperous. It's a way for them to gain prosperity. And, and I have to agree, uh, and we're getting... That's where we get in with Reverend Mark. I agree with Reverend Mark. Um, is the we get into the discussion of dispensationalism? You know, um, Paul very much believed in dispensationalism. And what dispensationalism is for those that are not, you know, theology students, is the idea that the old law no longer bears weight on us; that Christ came to free us from the law. And so, as the name says, we are dispensed from observance of the law. So, which for, I believe, I, I, I firmly I, believe I personally, that. Personally, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's why Jesus says, "I give you a new commandment." You know, uh, and Jesus also says the two greatest commandments: love God and love your neighbor as yourself. He's summing up the law. He's saying if you do these two things, yes, you're dispensed from the law, but you're also going to be fulfilling it to a certain degree. Correct. That's right. Because that's what the whole law meant, was to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Period. It, it comes to that mindset of what is the spirit of the law versus what is the intent of the law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, the, obviously, and Jesus comes to show that to us, he brings Holy Spirit to us to help us to fulfill that. I mean, that's why Holy Spirit has come, so that we can be taught in all those things, in that new commandment, and that new spirit. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus is going out there and showing everybody. You know, right. Jesus is out there living it. There was There was no one that he was in the theme of our previous discussion, Sodom and Gomorrah, he was not a sodomite with them. He was embracing all those people and pointing them to love and pointing them to grace. He was feeding and doing what he could to show us to live in the words of Isaiah. And so, um, if it, I mean, it, it, it infuriates me to a point, and I really get passionate over this because I was around so many of those people that, you know, embrace the, you know, that will live under grace, but they also have one foot or one leg over here into the Levitical law and want to beat you over the head with that. And I, and I would chuckle at them all the time because, I mean, sometimes just them walking into the sanctuary, they were breaking the Levitical law by what they were wearing. Right. They were wearing mixed clothing. They were, you know, and they, when they would go out to eat after service, they were eating the wrong foods and you name it. I mean, they how had many to people... Have their Sunday lobster. And how many people are out digging holes in their backyards <laughs> and taking a crap in it? So that's also in the Levitical law. Or right. taking, or the for the farmers in our congregations, how many of them were using the back corner of their farm field to feed the poor? Correct, and so and if, and wait a minute now. How many of your of them husbands out there 
have been sending their wives outside the city limits during the visit from Aunt Flo. Right, exactly. Or yeah. separate, or cutting a hole between your beds so that you can separate your bed. Yeah. Unless you're going to start throwing your toilets out and digging holes in the backyard, don't talk to me about what you think the Levitical scriptures say. It's in the Bible. Don't start with me on that because then you have to start doing these things That's right. because that is what the scripture says. If you want to be so gung-ho with this is what scripture says and like i said that's a whole translation or a whole different discussion about yeah. dispensation versus the living There'd up be a the whole law. lot of sheep missing from appalachia if we correct. actually listen to oh, the law correct and <laughs> none of us are bringing burnt offerings into the church or, or and i have yet to sacrifice a lamb and offer it up to god uh during one of the multiple times that you do in the feast days so don't I, I always look at people and start throwing back at them and then all of a sudden their their mood changes all of a sudden their dynamics change all of a sudden it's uh, you know the same people that will talk about how slavery in the Old Testament is completely not translated correctly which I believe and I agree because that's a whole different they'll sit there and beat you over the head and say no that this is word for word you have to use it like this or trying paul's message where the women should keep silent which i it do not I, agree with right i don't agree with i think it, it has a deeper meaning than what is written again that's a whole nother uh can of worms and so the point is some of these passages of scripture have to be deeply looked at in their original context and what they were written originally because people have come along with their own mindset going oh you know we want to manip it's a manipulative thing when they go to translate these passages of scripture and some of some people want to have a greater emphasis on one thing while other people want to have a greater emphasis and what do they do they're changing the scripture they're changing what it says and there is a warning in the bible about changing god's intent and god's desire and that's what you have in a lot of these trans and yes the good old king james version that quote unquote jesus used that's right that has so many errors in it you can't even shake a stick at it that's right and just for the record i don't believe jesus used the king james version <laughs> for those of you that are standing up it's an inside joke mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's a good point, and we'll, we'll do a future podcast on dispensationalism because uh, I'm sure there are, will be plenty of people who will want to know more about dispensationalism versus following the law. So uh, we'll have a podcast about that in the future as well. Um, Riles me up, so <laughs> yeah. that's a good one. So um, uh, next week, uh, we're winding our time down here. Uh, next week... We're going to look at the scripture verses in the New Testament that um, people use to clobber LGBTQIA over the head. Uh, so for those that like to say, yes, we're dispensed from the old law, but Paul said. And just for the record, Bishop, how many passages or scriptures in the whole test? How many are there that people knock them over the head with? How many is it? It's got to be like 100, right? No, there's there's 50? less than 10. 50? They've it's come up six. with a couple of new ones, but th there's there's less than 10. 
It's six. But yet there's... Fifty-three! Fifty-three! Guidances and prohibitions on how straight people are supposed to have sex. Did you hear that? Fifty-three. Okay. Fifty-three. So next week we'll be uh, looking at the New Testament scriptures and what Paul has to say, and uh, we'll discuss those. Thank you, Reverend Mark. Thank you, Father Matt, for being here this evening. It's and Bishop, thank you for being here, too. <laughs> yes. We wouldn't be here if you weren't here. <laughs> I'm happy to do it. I enjoy these. And hopefully you do, too. And hopefully you'll join us next week when we once again attempt to expand your faith. Keep shining bright, my friends. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Expanding Your Faith. For more information on Expanding Your Faith, check us out on facebook.com forward slash expanding your faith. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you find your podcasts. Until next week, when we once again attempt to expand your faith, Keep shining bright.